control your narrative, making sure that nobody controls your narrative, nobody tries to you know paint your narrative. You have to be in the control of your narrative. This is the Church Growth Nation podcast. Hey everybody, this is Ross Turner with the Vibrant Agency, and here we're talking with Obed Martinez of Destiny Church in Indio, California. How you doing, Obed? Hey buddy, how you doing? You doing good? Man, are you chilling in your office, or where are we at? I'm in my office right now, just, uh, you know, hanging out with you, man. Just took a little break and uh, getting ready for uh, finalizing the weekend and get my weekend going. I got some good eyesight, but just seeing those glasses on you right there just makes me wish that I could have glasses just to rock those like you do. My hair, so you can change as much as your hairstyle as much as you can. So since I don't, I change my glasses. Yeah, I got the circle of wisdom going on. I have to wear this hat to cover it up back here, but it is what it is, you know what I mean? Wear a yarmulke and you'll be okay. Okay, so uh, tell me a little bit, for the people that don't know you already, tell us a little bit about... Uh, where you at uh, as a church right now and where you started kind of the journey from planting the church all the way through the growth that you've had now. Just kind of tell us a little bit about you guys. Yeah, man. So we uh, started, my wife and I, 15 years ago. Uh, We're from LA and uh, just had a big dream and a big God and came out here, didn't really know anybody. Started with seven families in the living room. It was way before ARC and way before the whole church strategy thing, but I did come out. Yeah. I had a company called uh, the Maximized Leadership Group uh, prior to that and uh, worked with a lot of uh, big churches around the country and around the world consulting their churches. And so I actually came out here more by default than design. Um, there was a lot of churches out here that were really struggling and uh, a couple of them uh, hired us to come in and really help them. And uh, as we kept on coming out here more and more and more, began to fall uh, fall in love with the place and went to all these pastors and said, Hey, look at man, just fill in our heart that God may be calling us to to plant a church. And to be honest, it was one of the last things we wanted to do because when you're a consultant, you're in front of pastors every single week, you know, hearing the good, the bad, the ugly, and the super nasty. And so the last thing I wanted to do was become a pastor, but I didn't know in some sense during this whole time that God was giving me a heart of a pastor. And, uh, and so we launched and, and today, now it's, um, it's grown tremendously, three campuses, um, really has a, have a great ministry towards pastors called Passionate Pastors, really helping pastors, really helping them grow by giving them systems and structures and strategy, different things like that. But yeah, it's been an amazing journey. So you were a consultant for other churches before you actually planted your own church? Yeah. Is that ministry or business still going and active right now? Yeah, well, it, it, it stopped when I planted the church because I couldn't make the travel anymore. And about three years later, uh, a couple of my clients, ex-clients called and said, hey, we need some help with this, that, and this. And decided, well, you know what, instead of me trying to go visit every one of you, why don't you guys come out to the beautiful Palm Springs area? And 16 pastors showed up, and I actually called that event Passionate Pastors. And that's how mm-hmm. Passionate Pastors was birthed. Uh, believe yeah. it. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it's, it's been an incredible journey. So let me ask you at your core, do you feel like you are a pastor, preacher, Bible study guy, or do you feel like you're more of a systems uh, management leadership kind of minded guy? You know, I, 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 I think at the end of the day, I would probably consider myself 
uh, probably somebody who's more systematic. Uh, but I love to preach. I love to communicate. I don't, I'm not a preacher. I'm a treacher. You know what I mean? Someone who teaches and preaches. Uh, just yeah. depends what kind of mic I'm wearing. If I have a headset, I'll teach. If I have a handheld, I'll preach. You know? I got you. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, Monday through Friday is when you build the church. It's not really on Sundays. And so um, I've learned to do my best to master that time. This will be an interesting conversation because you have a unique perspective. You spent a lot of time coaching and teaching and training other churches, other pastors how to do it. But then you transitioned to be a pastor of your own church. And I guess my question to you is, is do you think that that experience that you had prior to this uh, church is one of the reasons that you guys have had success? Well, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, most pastors, I would probably say, you know, that I've known over the years, you know, maybe, you know, two or three streams, you know, before planning Destiny, I, I, you know, my clients went from, you know, a seeker sensitive church to a full gospel African-American church. And so I really got to see the kingdom. I really got to see what really builds a church. You know, I really got to see churches that were overly systematic and then I got to see churches that were overly spiritual in some sense. They spiritualized mm-hmm. everything. So for me, it was always finding that healthy balance. And at the end of the day, we never really started destiny with the mindset of that we want to be a big church more than we want to be a healthy church. That's kind mm-hmm. of been always our goal. As long as we mm-hmm. can stay healthy organically, it will naturally grow on its own. And the growth always belongs to the Lord, but the soil belongs to us. And so we always mm-hmm. want to make sure at the end of the day, that soil stays ripe and ready. So then when seeds are planted, growth just automatically takes place. Right now at your church, how many people do you guys have every weekend? Probably around 2,000 across our campuses. Um, you know, our valley right now is only about 350,000 people. So it's not like we're in LA. You know, even though yeah. we just planted a campus in LA a year ago and it's really growing. Um, exponentially, and 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 I'm telling you, it, 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 it's been our fastest growing campus right now. Let me ask you this: other than obviously just God blessing the church, what do you attribute a lot of the growth you've been having? Do you, do you do marketing campaigns? Do you do mailers? Are you doing Facebook ads? What do you attribute some of the growth to? Well, I think at the end of the day, your greatest advertisement is a changed life. And so Mm -hmm. when people's lives are being changed, they're going to naturally advertise it because people see it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so with that, we do teach them. I mean, we're very big on social media. Uh, We're very, very big on marketing. Um, But at the end of the day, we're very careful on making sure that people reach people. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if we can equip people to reach people, then the greatest advertisement is their changed life. How has God, how has God affected you so that eventually you can affect somebody else. And yeah. uh, that's kind of broadcast across our campuses and in sermons all the time. I mean, there's a lot of churches in our area, we're both in California, that there's a lot of churches that start and maybe close their doors after four or five years. Or there's a lot of churches that continue on, but they never break out of 100, 150 people but you guys have had a different experience. You guys have a, a flourishing church. Can you tell me from the outside looking in, what are some things that other pastors could do to help experience the same results that you have had? Well, the equation of growth goes back to change. I always say change plus conflict equals growth. So conflict, change is always going to bring conflict. 
But yet most pastors, what happens is, is that if they're not focusing on the growth, which is the outcome, then they're going to revert back to the change they made that caused the platform, uh, caused the conflict that eventually allows them to get stuck because they'll retreat going back to what's familiar rather than moving towards what is not familiar. Maybe what they saw in a dream or a vision, or they had an urgency in their heart, but they didn't, they could not focus long enough on the growth. So they got caught up and stuck in the conflict. And I think where a lot of pastors get stuck really is that they just don't know how to handle the conflict that change brings about. Well, when you talk about conflict, are you talking about people getting upset and leaving the church? Are you talking about staff turnover? What are these kind of things that you mean with conflict? Because growth, every growth barrier brings on a different conflict. You know, usually churches from zero to 150, you know, it's a honeymoon stage. It's a family kind of a church, you know, 150 to maybe 350, you know, they're becoming a movement now. They're, they're becoming a church and really, you know, starting to gain ground and get territory, you know, 350 to 750, they're, 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 they're becoming an army. And then, you know, 750 to 1200, that, they become a nation. And that's kind of the evolution, of, that's kind of, the evolution of, of Israel. They started off as slaves, went from a family, from a family, they went to an army, from an army, they went to a nation. Each one of those levels have growth problems. And if you don't know how to manage the growth problems, you won't manage the growth itself. Uh, let me ask you, you are at, 2,000 or so people at your church, what are some of the growth problems that you guys are experiencing right now? Well, we're probably dealing with the same problem that every nation will probably deal with. You're going to have turnover of staff. You're going to have, um, you know, growth issues when it comes to, you know, dream teamers and volunteers. You're going to have a shortage of of growth when it comes to creating leaders like life group leaders and small group leaders comparing to the pace of the growth of so many people that want to get into life groups. So we're dealing with the same issues. The issues are always the same. It's just the bigger your church is, the more magnifying it is, the, 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 more, the more it is. It's the same thing when we hit 1,000, same thing when we hit 750, no different. I got a big question. Tell me the truth. In your opinion, is it harder to be a pastor of 200 people or of 2,000 people? Well, I always say everybody wants to be big till it's time to get big. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's tough to, to manage a, a, a large church because you gotta be a, you gotta be good at managing emotions and personalities um, while still sticking to your convictions. And, um, and so I, I think, you know, it all boils down to ca- capacity and competency that's ra- wrapped up in being relational. For you guys at your church, have you had to deal with a struggle between being a seeker sensitive type of church versus a deep charismatic, uh, teaching kind of church? And how have you guys handled maybe the blend between those two? Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're a church of steps. That's what we always tell people. We just believe your next step is your best step. And so there's no doubt about it that at the end of the day, we want our services to be impactful on weekends. We want them to touch hearts. We want to see conversion. We just don't want to see decisions. We want to see conversion. And that really takes place during steps. You know, often some people will have a Paul the Apostle experience, but not everybody. Most people will just have, you know, step-by-step process they grow so we offer a pathway for people's growth and 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 then through that you know we take them through different things like our freedom conference and when they go through our freedom conference 
yeah, they get introduced to the Holy Spirit. Their life gets changed. They get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some do, some don't. Some get filled with other gifts. But at the end of the day, the, the goal is is just really being a, an Acts 2 model church. Our, our church has always been based on the five aspects of Acts chapter 2. The first thing God gave in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost had come, there came a sound. So every church should have its own sound, which means its own culture and language. You know, language is what language forms a behavior that eventually shapes a culture. So, so we have a sound. He gave them a spirit, system, strategy, and structure. Those are the five yeah. things we do. So we're not either or, we're both ends. Uh, you know, our company is a marketing agency. So our skills are and thought processes are about marketing. And so we like to try to find ways to take the message and the teaching and, and introducing people to God, not only in the church, but how can we reach their phones and Instagram and Facebook and their computers and, and take it outside the church. So my question is, what have you guys done? What's your experience and your strategy like when it comes to social media, when it comes to your website? Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I really believe that everything still needs to be relational, but we can use these devices, social media, in some sense, to keep that relational connection together. So that whether that's through marketing, digital discipleship, whatever that may be, at the end of the day, use all the ways and means to make sure you're just reaching people. And uh, a lot of times, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And if you can get your message across, control your narrative, making sure that nobody controls your narrative, nobody tries to, you know, paint your narrative, you have to be in the control of your narrative. In other words, if people have a different view of your church than you do, then that's a marketing issue, that you're not Mm. teaching your church how to really convey the message of who you are. And that's why every single Sunday during exhortation, once worship ends, our pastors go up there, they greet people, and they always say, welcome to Destiny, we are a church of steps. And so you'll see the thousands of people that come through our doors. At the end of the day, they'll remind you, Destiny Church is such a church of steps because we want to stay in control mm-hmm. of our narrative and making sure our people are yeah. casting the vision the right way. 